0: is uh, the fourth week, the final Sunday of our April post-Easter series. We've called it Looking, and uh, what we've done is lock in on all the places in the Bible, all the places in Scripture, God's Holy Word, where we are admonished to look, to be aware of, to understand what's going on around us, to look to the right place. To be looking for the right thing. It is critically important to be looking for the right thing. And so today we're going to wrap it all up and uh, we want to make sure that uh, we've kind of recapped what we've talked about and uh, we want to look in the right place for the right things in life. It's a tragic thing to live your life and look back and have all kinds of regret and psychiatrists tell us that you will grow old and one day you will live in regret or you will live with a spirit of gratitude for the life that you've had and so it's my hope and prayer that every one of us today will look for the right things that we will look to find our purpose for what god created us to accomplish and in doing so we will look and see And discover the the amazing things God has for us. So let's get started with our first thought today. If you look to today's uh, outline, it's going to get us started with a a statement here that has kind of been fundamental to this, this whole month. And it is this. Looking and seeing is the reason Jesus came. Now I know theologically that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And I understand there's a whole lot more to it than just this single statement. But I want to show you from Scripture here that one of the the main reasons Jesus came was to enable us, to empower us to look and see. Uh, Because looking is no small thing. It's a big deal. Uh, In fact, it is one of the, the, the biggest reasons why Jesus came. So let's look to our first verse, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 9. It reads, then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see. Who think they see. Really let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is saying, I came so that I could help people who think they can see that they are really blind. Please please don't miss this. Jesus is saying, I came for this purpose to help people who think they can see that they're blind. And we live in a world filled with people, all kinds of people who think they can see. They think they're looking in the right place. They think they've got it all figured out. Boy, they're so adamant. I I see news broadcasters, I hear people talk, and boy, they they have got the absolute answers to all of life's problems. But they're missing one essential reality, that there is a God. And Jesus came to help us see things and look and see things as they really are. And the only reality that will stand the test of time you know, because I, I hear this almost nauseating, you know, statement over and over and over. That's my truth. That's what I see. That's my truth. And and truth is not this ambiguous moving target. God is the author of truth. And and Jesus came so that we could look and see truth. He said, I'm here to help people who think they can see, but they can't. They're blind. And so today, uh, with that th- thought in mind, I, I hope you'll, you'll open yourself to looking with God's help. One, one of my favorite songs is-, is the old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I what? I see. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And if you know the backstory on this, the writer of the song, a captain of a slave ship, who spent much of his life getting rich from the misery and pain he inflicted on others, stealing people from their homes, abusing them with a high mortality rate, a large number wouldn't even survive the the trip in those primitive vessels. People treated worse than animals. A man who was a part of that, who had invested his life in making a profit from this misery, reaches this point where he says, I was blind, but now I see. You'll never see until you first admit spiritually you're blind. This brings us to our second thought. Let's move ahead very quickly. Number two. Looking and seeing is not possible if you are spiritually blind. This is just flowing right together here. Jesus came to help us see, to help people who think they can see, but they can't. But, but make no mistake, looking and seeing is not possible if you're spiritually blind. The truth is we are all born into this world spiritually blind. We are all born, according to Scripture, dead Spiritually. We, we are born spiritually blind. Dead people cannot see. And as a result, we cannot look the right place for the right thing because as we are spiritually dead and sinners, we have not yet acknowledged our need to be illuminated, to accept what God has given us. It's sad that this word sin I was thinking about this today, getting ready, how the word sin isn't even talked about much. It's not a word that's a part of the public discourse and conversation. We have all these reasons why people do horrendous things, why they do terrible things, and there's a root cause for it all. It's the sin issue. Why does one person abuse another person? It's a sin problem. And yet we want to give it a diagnosis with all kinds of medical terms when at the root of it all is this issue of sin. We, we think we can see, but we can't until we are spiritually given sight by God through the miracle of the new birth. The Bible's clear. We're all born spiritually dead sinners. Spiritually dead people can't see any better than a body in a casket at a funeral home. Let's look at our next scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4.4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Jesus came as God in human flesh. He came to help people who can't see. He came to help them see. But we are spiritually blind because of this cosmic warfare between God, good, and evil, Satan. And Satan is doing everything he can to blind the eyes of those who are spiritually dead. This verse tells us that unbelievers, people who don't believe in Jesus, they they don't believe what he said, they are spiritually blind and, and Satan is continuing this, this master plan to keep people in the dark. I, I, you know, I, I don't know about you. I get frustrated every now and then with people. I, I had somebody this, just this last week as I was driving who cut in front of me. And, and I will confess, because of my humanity, my first thought was... Not one I'll share with you right now. (laughs) But I I chose, in my heart, I thought, okay, everybody deserves grace. But immediately this person started slamming on their brakes as they pulled in front of me. And they were waving at me with one finger sticking out above the others. And I remember thinking, whoa, wait a minute. They're, they're, They're the ones that did the wrong thing and they're blind to it. And they're, <laughs> don't they know? They were wrong. I was right. And, and I, it hit me because I was thinking about today how we live in a world with all, all kinds of people who are spiritually blind in dark, spiritual darkness. And they think they're right. And they're angry at people who can look and see the truth. Do, do you understand that? You live in a hostile world. I'm trying to help you see. If you're a follower of Jesus and you can look and see the truth, you need to understand that there's going to be oftentimes hostility. But that, that doesn't mean we back away from the truth in the love of Christ. We speak the good news. And and because Jesus came to help people see. And, and I believe if we'll be the light, if, if we will be the salt and, and help preserve this world. God will use this us to help other people see. But they can't see the good news naturally. They don't understand it. They desperately need us to live it before they'll see it. So, this condition of sin, this spiritual blindness, is really the cause of all problems in our world war, pain, suffering, misery. It's all a result of spiritual blindness. It's the reason people stumble through life because they're spiritually blind. You can't look if you're blind. That's what number two is all about. Number three, let me give you another thought here that's kind of leading into to really the last thought, our takeaway for this whole series. Looking and seeing is possible because of Jesus. I, I don't want to end with this negative. I, I want us to see the hope that is possible. You know, I've quoted this verse a number of times through this series and we're going to read it together because this verse, is the, it has the antidote to the sin problem in our life. It's the only thing that will take away the blindness and give us spiritual sight. So the, the passage from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Would you guys join me in reading this together? Let's just join our voices together as one. Let's read it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, this is it, the antidote. Look to Jesus. Look and live. Look and see that that Jesus came and he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. This is really our only hope. Look to Jesus. Now, there there is a phrase in this verse that's going to be fundamental to this whole series, because looking to Jesus is the beginning. He is the author. He is one that wrote the book on how to have eternal life. He is the author, but he is also the finisher of our faith. So when you look to Jesus, you're not just looking at him and saying, Jesus, will you save me? That he authored salvation. It's a start. This is where it starts. Lord, I look to you. I'm not looking to myself. I can't live good enough to save myself. I I can't be baptized and save myself. I think baptism is awesome and important. But nobody goes down under the water, you know, a dry sinner, (laughs) and comes up wet and saved. Baptism shows the world that we have already received Christ, it's a testimony. It's a public profession. It, it, it's us being all in for Jesus, letting the world know. We've got a baptism coming up in a few weeks, and, and if you've not been baptized, I hope you will not let this baptism pass, because it is a cool opportunity to let everyone know I have looked to Jesus. But looking to Jesus, the author, the author and finisher, is the start. This is going to be our takeaway today. You've just begun the journey if you've looked to the author of your faith. He also wants to be the finisher of your faith. He he wants to be the one that helps you look at the world and make sense out of what's going on. But you have to take this issue of looking to heart. You, you, we call, one of, the, one of the words we reference when we talk about looking and understanding is, is, uh, is the idea of discernment. To look at something discerned to know right from wrong. You, you remember the formula I gave you not too long ago, 167 to one? You, you're, you're having, in a week's time, 168 hours. If you come to church every week, that would be cool if you did but even if you did you got another 167 hours you, you cut away some time for sleep the disproportionate reality of what's being hammered into your head is so lopsided it's mind-boggling and so you need to open yourself up to to look to God's word to get into scripture so that you can look and see on a daily basis, not just on Sunday. You get one hour and another 167. It's the other side of those who are living in, who are living in spiritual darkness who are telling you what God said is not true. You've got to have a plan. You've got to develop a plan for how to look at this world so that you don't just know about Jesus the author of your faith, but you are allowing him to complete your faith, that you see him as the finisher of your faith. Listen, what I'm going to tell you right now is so big and so huge, it's the answers to why a lot of people in their faith, they stumble and they doubt, is because they don't let Jesus be the finisher of their faith. He's the author. Look to Jesus, not just to save you. He's not just fire insurance. That seems like... A lot of people, okay, I'm saved. That's, that's all there is to it. But looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's what I want to spend the next couple of moments talking about. There is a great connection throughout Scripture between the physical world and the spiritual world. Jesus oftentimes, when he was teaching, would point out to the physical world, and he would use an illustration For example, he said, look at the fields. Look, look out there. There was some wheat that was ready to be harvested. And he said, look at that. And and everybody stopped and looked. Look at the fields, they're white unto harvest. And he was teaching them that the world in general, people who didn't know Jesus, who were spiritually blinded, he said, they're ready to be harvested, but you've got to go and help them understand the good news. Now, it takes someone spiritually mature who's not just looked to Jesus to be the author of their faith, but the finisher of their faith, to grow in maturity, to look and see the world as God sees it. And so I want to go to the, our fourth thought here, the, the last thought. This is really I want to bring it all together, a month of us talking about looking and what it's really all about. This is so important. Number four, looking and seeing requires ongoing spiritual eye care. You've got to develop, keyword here, develop. You've got to develop a plan for your ongoing spiritual ability to look, your spiritual eye care. So today, <laughs> I, uh, I've done something that I think might be helpful. Uh, I want to make a connex- connection between our physical world of what we see, physical eye care, and spiritual eye care. Because there's, there's some amazing common truths. And uh, two of my favorite people in the whole world uh, are doctors. Uh, they specialize in the care and the potential that exists uh, for our eyes to be corrected and allow us to look and see. Uh, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to welcome to our platform today, uh, Dr. Greg Knight. He is here today. He's a part of our church family. Dr. Knight, where are you? You are here. Would you welcome him? Thank you. Welcome, uh, thank you, Dr. Knight. Please thank have a seat. You. And his lovely bride, Anna, <laughs> are both graduates of the Ohio State University. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, they have a practice uh, in Canal Fulton, and. Not, not just do they provide good care, not, this is not an ad, but I, I go there, and, but they're really nice people. And, and, it, and as a result, I've learned so much more about taking care of my eyes. And so today, Dr. Knight's going to help us make some connections between spiritual insights in, into how our eyes work, and what the purpose of it all, and how we can walk out of here today Developing a plan to take care of our spiritual eyes and allow Jesus to be the finisher of our faith, not just the author of our faith, but we can develop some plans to grow spiritually, to see more clearly, clearly, spiritually. And so I just have a few questions here, Dr. Knight. Sure. And uh, here we go. Number one, what's the single, most important thing when it comes to taking care
1: of your? your physical eyes? Well, just like pretty much everything in life, staying on top of things. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, there are two things, two aspects really, what can go on with uh, your eyes and your vision. One being physical, so things that affect the physicality of your eye, cataracts, glaucoma, mm-hmm. diabetes, macular degeneration, and also seeing of things, you know, um, being nearsighted, being farsighted, having presbyopia, mm-hmm. difficult to difficulty focusing in on things. And really, the key there on both things is staying on top of, of what's going on. You know, if I see someone with uh, the beginnings of macular generation, we want to make sure we stay on top of that because a lot of these conditions can become very bad very quickly, and a lot of times people won't notice a change until it's almost too late. So stay on top of things. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: would you say regular eye exams would be a part of staying on top of things? Uh, absolutely, yeah. That, that's okay. the key right there. Okay. Uh, how many of you have had your eye exam this year? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Good. Look at that. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. Pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, now, what happens when you have something going on with your, your, your eye health, and you, you may not even know it because you're not having a regular exam, but what happens with most eye problems if you just ignore them?
1: <laughs> oh, things don't go well. <laughs> so, you know, um Things in particular, I always use this uh, analogy with uh, uh, patients changing the oil in your car. You know, things, you change the oil in the car. If you don't change the oil in the car, you may get by for a while, but things eventually are going to catch up with you. You're going to have problems there. And um, a main one being glaucoma. Um, Glaucoma is a condition where the pressure in the eye gets high. You don't feel it. Mm. You don't have any sensation. I tell patients there's no symptoms. There's no... Um, blurriness, there's no redness of the eyes uh, but eventually you don't realize there's a problem until it's really too late. You, know? okay. you lost vision that we can't bring back.
0: So if I could just make a very brief sidebar spiritual application. If, if you have problems spiritually and you're not getting regular checkups, in all likelihood, it's not going to get better by itself right? That's correct. Okay. That's true with your eye care. It's true with your spiritual vision. If you are not growing spiritually, if you are not allowing God to give you insights and growing continually in your faith, you're, you're not going forwards. You're in all likelihood getting worse. You're going backwards. Okay. One more kind of a wrap-up thought here. And I'm, I think this is the good news about eye care uh, in the physical world, but there's things we can do. What, what's the purpose of corrective lenses and
1: that kind of stuff? Well, um, mostly to keep you from running into a wall. <laughs> you know, some people, if you're very nearsighted, you know, you, you, your world ends right about here, okay? You can't see what's coming down the road um, and... Uh, of course, that makes life pretty simple. So, so
0: nearsighted is I can see near, but I can't see far. Correct. Yeah, it's that's confusing, good. but yeah, that's okay. what it means. Nearsighted is Everybody got that? Near. You learned yeah.
1: something today? Right. Okay. Uh So obviously, when we go to corrective lenses, whether it's glasses or contact lenses, we fix those uh, inadequacies that are going on and uh, basically make things nice and clear, hopefully.
0: So with the help of a lens, what I couldn't see before, I now can see. Yeah. You were once per blind, and now you can see. Oh, Wow. <laughs> So, so, sounds pretty important to me. Anybody out there correct their sight with either contacts or lenses? Would you wave at me? How many of you would want to live without your glasses? Okay. We, we might not want to have our glasses, but how many of you would like to live and not be able to see? Nobody. Right. Nobody. I, I am so deeply grateful to Dr. Knight. I, I've had a couple of mishaps I have a habit of stabbing sharp things into my eyes uh, accidentally. And they have picked up the pieces and helped me. But just on a regular routine basis, the ability to go somewhere and and know that this amazing gift God has given us, to look at the world and see it, is it not one of the greatest gifts in, in the world? And to take in all of the beauty of God's creation... It is something you don't want to risk, and that's true in the physical world, but it's also true in the spiritual world. Doctor Knight, thank you so much for being our guest today. Would you thank, yeah, thank him you. for you. me? Now, because we've pulled a couple of these ideas out. And, and we've started down this road of looking and seeing requires some ongoing spiritual eye care. I thought it'd be great if we'd wrap up this series by doing uh, an exam. Uh, I, that, that machine that you sit in the chair and look through, that monstrosity, that thing with the different lenses. Dr. Knight, I always forget the name of that thing. A proctor. proctor? A proctor? Foropter. Sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Anna, a foropter. But you, you guys, when we, we sit down in that chair, I've, you've done it to me, and you'll, you know, is this better or worse? Is that kind of how you do it? Yeah. You know, you, the lenses are going back and forth, and better or worse. And sometimes I am convinced there's no difference at all. You're trying to trick us, okay? Yeah. The, that's, that's really what it is. But better or worse, I'm going to ask you kind of the same way. I've got a couple of questions. I want to wrap this up by giving you a spiritual, a spiritual sight exam. Would you guys take it with me? And I'm going to ask you the question, better or worse. Okay? We're going to try and figure this out together. Uh, there is in your notes some questions, so let's get started with the exam. Uh, my spiritual eye exam. First of all. Do I look and see fellow believers through eyes of love. This is huge. When you look at people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ, what do you see? So let's go right to the verse that guides us and gives us corrective 2020 vision. 1 John 2:11 says but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go having been blinded by the darkness. And so I'm going to ask you a question, better or worse. In the the last year, your relationships with other believers, can can you say that your love for them is better now or worse? Are, Are you growing in your spiritual vision of seeing opportunities to love those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ? You say, how do you judge that? I'll give you an example right off the top of my head. If you love your brothers and sisters, you want to spend time with them. I mean, that's one of the the crazy, insane things about when you fall in love. Uh, I I was thinking, as I was trying to make a connection point to this, how when Kathy and I fell in love, I, I was in college, I just, we were together every day Every minute we weren't in a class together. We were together. We wanted to be together. We, we couldn't stand being away from each other. And, and when you love someone, when you love your brothers and sisters, you're going to want to spend time with them. You're going to be in a small group. I think a small group is a great way to build quality relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, sometimes we don't have any time for that because the truth is our spiritual vision is not what it should be. Now, is, is it better now than it was a year ago or worse? Are you getting busier and have less time to love the body of Christ, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? I think that's a great question. I, I think it's, it's really important as we measure our spiritual growth to look at the stuff that matters to God. So that's the first question. Second question. Do I help restore those who have been blinded by sin? Do I help those? This could apply to both a believer or an unbeliever. The the example that comes to mind is the great spiritual insights and vision of of a man that the gospel of Luke talks about. Luke chapter 15 verse 20 This is a loving father, so it's in a family context. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Okay, here we go. He's looking. He sees his son coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That's a great example of restoring someone who has been blinded by sin. And yet sometimes we become judgmental. Somebody who doesn't agree with this? I mean, I, I, I gotta tell you, one of the real black eyes that, that I think has hurt the body of Christ and Christianity is when God's people, Christian people, take it upon themselves to be known for what they're against and the things that they hate about the world when, when God wants us to be the one standing out looking for people who need help to be able to go and help them and love them in the name of Jesus, are you becoming better or worse in the context of this question? Number three, let me kind of wrap it up with this. Do I leave my comfort zone to rescue those who are spiritually blind? This, this is, boy, I'll tell you, this is spelled out in a passage in, the Gospel of Luke. Jesus told a story. Here it is. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety and nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He goes looking for the lost sheep. And, and, and that is, that's pretty strong evidence that you have twenty twenty spiritual vision. Because you see things, you look for things that are outside of your comfort zone. They're areas that are a result of spiritual need, not just personal needs. This final question is so incredibly revealing. You see, people with healthy spiritual eyes look and see the needs of others. They look at the fields, they see they're white under harvest. Not not only do they look and see, but they go. And that is the essence essence of Christianity. It's the essence. I I came across a um, story in the news this last week. It was the five-year anniversary story of a mother whose son was somehow abducted and taken away and there has not been a sign of him or a word from him in the last five years. And to this day, every day of her life, she invests time looking for this young man. And I, I, the story moved me, and, and, and it's a tragic story. But it also pressed on my heart that, that there's only one thing that could drive you every day for five years to look and look and look some more when all logic said stop looking. He'll never be found. What drove her was her love for her son. And her vision of what might be, even though it might take a miracle, overcame all obstacle. All obstacles were overcome. And I was thinking about how we as the body of Christ, the representatives of Jesus on this earth, he has said, you need to go out and look for the lost sheep. You need to look for those, frankly, aren't even easy to love. This is, this is what the church is all about, you guys. It's not a fortress to protect us from the world coming in. It's not our little club where we get together and entertain one another and sing the music we like and and make each other feel good reinforcing our beliefs we, we are a rallying point to be the church to go out on a mission of looking for lost sheep that, that's really what this series has been all about ultimately we we have to answer the question what are we looking for out of life looking to make a little more money looking to make this month's house house payment Look, looking to to just get by till the weekend looking for you fill in the blank we we, we who are spiritually in a relationship with Christ who have looked to him and, and he is the author of our faith we have to allow him to complete our faith Because there's an ongoing process called spiritual growth that that is so essential to who we are. And and that's where that verse that, that I have there under that fourth point from 1 Peter comes into play. It's a verse that you just don't want to miss. It talks about the importance of developing that. 1 Peter, actually 2 Peter chapter 1 It comes from verse number nine. It spells it out for us about the importance of developing. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So how do you do today on this spiritual eye exam? Better or worse? Let's bow for prayer. Lord, I, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts and give us a hunger, a desire to be able to look and see spiritually the things that matter to you. Lord, if if you're showing us now that we're not better in our relationship, we're actually worse than we were last month or last year, Lord, help us to repent, help us to see, to look and see the sin that has crept in, the selfishness. The, the things that are pride that take our attention off of, off of looking to Jesus, the author and fin- finisher of our faith. Lord, help, help us to allow you into our hearts so that you can finish the work of helping us, Jesus, become more like you. I pray if there's someone here today who's not been born again, who's not sure if they were to die, I pray that today while we worship and sing that they would cry out and ask you to save them. I pray for those who've taken this spiritual eye test. If they don't like what they're seeing or hearing, may this be the day that they ask you to correct their vision and put on the corrective lens of Scripture and see things, God, the way they really are. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me if you will.
1: Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.